for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. And I just want to say at this start, just as an introduction, that all of God's work in our life is supernatural. Some of you this morning may think, oh, I'm a bit, I'm not sure about the supernatural, it sounds a bit weird. But too late, if you're a Christian. (laughs) God has already interacted with you, and God is supernatural. I heard somebody recently saying, when is it supernatural and when isn't it? And my answer is, if it's of God, it's supernatural. Because he is above nature. He works through nature, but he himself is spirit. He's supernatural. And if he's called you and made you alive and taken you from darkness to life and put you in his son, then that is a supernatural event. And I think sometimes the other error we fall into is that we think God did a miracle at the beginning and then we carry on on our own strength. And that was what the book of Galatians was about. It was about they they became Christians and then thought the rest was self-effort. But no, if you're a Christian, you are an ongoing miracle. You are an ongoing supernatural work of God. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And we often think that was poetic license. But no, he really meant it. We can't sustain this Christian life without God's miracles, miraculous work. So you're already a miracle. But the point I want to make is supernatural doesn't always mean spectacular. Sometimes we think that it has to be spectacular. But I know that some of the greatest interventions of God in my life have been quite hidden. But they have been God and they have been miraculous. If you think about Jesus coming to earth, what greater miracle than that, God becoming man, and yet largely went unnoticed, apart from a few shepherds and some wise men. So I think what I want to talk about this morning is how can we live more and more in this miraculous realm where God is interacting with us and we're seeing his power at work in our lives. Michael Eaton said something about miracles. He said, you you can't take what God's not giving. (laughs) He said, you can't take a miracle if God's not giving it. But we can put ourselves more and more into God's miracle working realm. And that's what I want to talk. So this morning, I want to talk about what is the gift of miracles? Why does God do them? How can we put ourselves in his miracle working realm? And the greatest miracle of all. So... Let me just keep an eye on the time. The greatest miracle of all, actually, would be if I managed to finish at 11.20. Because I've got three pages. And we're only halfway through the first one at the moment. So, okay. I'm going to do my best. And I will stop when we get to 20 past, regardless. Okay. In the Gospel of John, Jesus did seven miracles. And they're referred to as signs. Signs. And the reason they're called signs... And wonders is because they're called wonders because they made people go, wow, how did that happen? And they're called signs because they pointed to something or to someone. And what they pointed to was Jesus. So it's interesting, if you look in the Gospel of John at the miracles of Jesus, the signs that he did, they all told people something about Jesus. So, for instance, he multiplied the loaves to feed 5,000. And then he said, I am the bread of life. Uh, He who eats of me will never be hungry again. He healed the blind man. And then he talked about being the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will never walk in darkness. 
He raised Lazarus from the dead, didn't he? And then he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. So, you know, the, the signs that Jesus did all told people something about him. And people got very excited about the miracles that Jesus did. But ultimately, he wanted them to put their trust in him. So miracles are when God acts outside of the natural realm, when he does something that defies natural explanation, where you think it has to have been God, it can't have happened any other way. But if you read the Bible, you find Jesus only tended to do this at need, not routinely. So there was an occasion when he walked on water, but that's because the disciples were in a boat in the middle of the storm and he didn't have a boat. So he walked on the water to get to them. Or he fed the 5,000, but that's because they hadn't got enough food. So the miracles tend to happen. And even in the Old Testament, you know, God was supplying manna from heaven for 40 years. But as soon as they got to the promised land, the manna stopped. So I, I, when I think about this, I feel God isn't a kind of showbiz type of God. He's, he, he's not doing miracles to impress people. A lot of Jesus' greatest miracles, he took people to one side. But God does do miracles when they're needed. And why? Why does God do miracles? I think there are a number of reasons. First of all, they assure us of his presence, you know, when we see God at work in our lives, and they encourage our faith, don't they? There's a lovely verse in John 20, and it says this. It's right at the end of John's Gospel, after all the miracles. It says this. Jesus did many other miraculous signs which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Just that verse in itself is such a blessing, isn't it? Just by believing in Jesus this morning, you can have life through his name. And the other thing about um, the signs, about why does God do miracles, is to convince people about the good news of Jesus. You know, we're Jesus' ambassadors, and Signs and wonders are like God's calling card. You know, when, we, when I visit people in my job and I visit them at home, I have to wear an identity badge. And really, it says that the miracles and wonders and signs are, are our calling card, our identity badge. It says these signs will accompany those who believe. So what kind of miracles might we see? What kind of miracles do people see? You know, I just want to say I've seen, there's been quite a few people who've testified to miracles in this church. Thinking of miracles of healing. Um, I can remember Barbara talking about her nephew who was in a coma. I can remember George talking about his leg being healed when he was prayed for. You know, I do think we ought to keep a written record of some of these because they're part of our church family testimony of God moving in our lives. I've got a friend, um, he's a Frenchman, he lives in England, but he goes back to France, to Angers, and um, he got really hungry for God, and he started really um, seeking God. And suddenly, God started moving in, in the church in Angers, where his brother was the pastor, and he visited him just on holiday. God started healing people. Um, in the meeting, as he was speaking, Lord, please do it this morning, um, he, he said, he prayed for this lady, and he felt, oh, he heard this click, 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 as all her spine went back into place. She got this curvature of the spine. And she said, thank you. And then she said, but I'm also deaf, I can't hear. You know, she was sort of very hard of hearing, couldn't hear very well. And he said, he said I think God's going to heal you in the evening meeting when I'm preaching. So she came back in the evening meeting, and he was standing there speaking. And suddenly he could see this woman at the back going, because <laughs> her, her hearing 
came back while he was speaking. And um, he was just saying how amazing it is. And, oh, there's so many miracles I've been reading about. But I, I think I'm, if I get time, I'm going, to, I'm going to share a special miracle that I read about by Smith Wigglesworth because is Tony here this morning? Oh, <laughs> I will do my best, Tony, but see what, see what, see what happens. Okay. So there's miracles of healing. Miraculous speaking, and again, I was reading a book by a man called David Petz, who was quite a, a big figure, or probably still is, I don't know whether he's still alive, but he was a, he's a big figure in the Assemblies of God Church, the Pentecostal Church. And uh, he was saying how he, he took a group of students from the Pentecostal Bible College, Bible school, to a meeting, and he was preaching. And at the end, this Irish lady at the back stood up and gave a, a message in tongues, and um, he, he, as he was at the platform and the microphone, he interpreted it. And afterwards, one of the students came up who came from Burkina Faso and um, said, that, 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 that was my tongue. I recognise that language. And um, David Pett says, well, I, I, know I know that the French is one of the main speaking languages and I'm quite fluent in French, so I knew it wasn't that. So he was saying to this student, what, what language was it? And he said, it's a language called Moray. Does anyone know Moray? But anyway, and, and then David was saying, was my interpretation the right one? And he said, yes, it was. And this man, David Pett, said, you know, I've been, I've been giving interpretation since 1962, always in faith, like it always has to be, that, that believing that verse where it says God gives good gifts to those who ask him. But it wasn't until the 80s, I think, he got that confirmation that it was a, a real translation, uh, interpretation. So, miraculous guidance, that's another area in which we see God at work. And I think there's probably many of you that have seen God at work in your life through miraculous guidance. And we were just hearing in um, our small group, uh, community group last week, um, somebody who was telling us that they had been seeking God's guidance about where to go in their job. And they were sitting behind a child who was playing with their toys and pulled a toy out of the bag. And that, that was the answer. <laughs> Through that toy, God, God showed this person where they were meant to go. I mean, that's what I mean about it. it's miraculous, but it's quite ordinary as well. And I think that's how often God is. I can remember hearing amazing stories of miraculous provision. When I used to lead a small group at my previous church, we had a man in that group who owed £25,000 worth of debt. And we prayed, we agreed that we were all going to pray for him every day that week between one week and the next and when we met the next week he said that the man he owed the debt to had just phoned him and said I'm just going to cancel it (laughs) (laughs) amazing miracles of protection Um, again I can remember a friend talking to me about um, being in a car and he was driving behind this car that was carrying a load of planks not a car it was a a truck with with these planks all lined up you know um, piled up and as he was driving along behind this truck, he, he felt God saying to him, pull over, pull over. And he passed two laybys and didn't because he was in a hurry to get where he wanted to go. And then it just this feeling was more and more insistent. So he pulled over and he said, as the lorry went round the corner, the, the logs were released, the planks all came off the back. And he said, if I'd been there, there would have been such a terrible accident. And I know that, you know, we've heard many other stories where God's miraculously protected people. 
So those are just some examples, and I, I, could, I could talk about many more. There's some amazing stories that I've read while I've been researching this. Um, but um, let's just move on to the next thing, which is how then can we get more and more into God's miracle-working realm? And, and what are the barriers? Okay. The first barrier, I think, often, and I think many people will identify with me, is that we tend to disqualify ourselves. We just think we're not good enough, we're not ready, we're not worthy, we haven't prayed enough, we haven't read the Bible, we're not walking close enough to the Lord. All these kind of thoughts that go through our minds that make us think, well, maybe God won't use us. But, you know, just think how many miracles God did for the people of Canaan, people in old testament in israel how many miracles and he wasn't very happy with them most of the time and he still did some amazing miracles through them and you know these are the gifts of the holy spirit they can't be earned any more than our salvation can be and i think we just have to not listen to any lie that comes into our mind saying that we're not ready that god can't use us god can use us and he wants to use us I think another barrier often is fear and holding back. You know, when you feel a prompting from God. Somebody said once, you know, when God speaks to you, whether it's about a big decision or a small decision, it's a still, small voice. He doesn't speak any louder about big things than small things. It's the still, small voice. And it's hearing that and going forward and trusting God. And I remember somebody saying to me a long time ago, but it stayed in my mind, that the gifts that God gives, you know, when we talk about spiritual gifts, they're for other people. And when God gives you a gift, you talk about sometimes people say, oh, you know, he, he moves in the gift of prophecy or she moves in the gift of healing. But when God gives you a gift, it's not for you. It's for someone else. So if God gives you a gift of healing, it's so that you can pray for somebody to be healed. Or if God gives you a, a, a word of knowledge, it's for someone else. And so it's really important that we, we don't hold back through fear of perhaps being rejected or perhaps it's not from God. I, I just want to say I've been so blessed in my own life by gifts that people have given me. It says that the risen Christ ascended and gave gifts to men. And I just want to say thank you this morning to all the precious people who've, who've given gifts to me that God had given them. And um, I, I just... Remember, it was, um, I've got it written down, the 3rd of June last year, um, Rachel Budd came to me. She said, I've just got this picture that God's given me. And she says, it seems silly, and I nearly didn't give it to you, but I just feel it might be for you. And amazingly, it was exactly the same picture that was given to me by Beulah in August the 4th, 92. Exactly the same picture. And in between, it had been given to me by a man in... Um, oh, Um, Sig Cup Church, uh, Dave Holden's church, exactly the same picture in um, 10th of June, 94. So 92, 94, 2015, the same picture through three people who didn't know each other. And I just say thank you, Lord, and thank you to those people for being willing to share that because obviously if God gives you the same picture over that period of time, it's like he's saying, I really mean this. (laughs) This is how I see you and I haven't changed. I'm the Lord, I change not. So um, I just think, 
if, you, if God gives you a gift, please use it, because then you won't miss out on the blessing of being used by God. I still remember a few weeks ago when Eddie gave that amazing tongue, <laughs> messaging tongues, and, he, and then I spoke to him afterwards and in the evening meeting, and what came across to me was that joy he felt, that God had broken into his life in a new way, and that sense of being used by God was really, was really such a blessing. And... Um, I notice often when the Holy Spirit comes upon people, it says, and the Holy Spirit came with boldness. Not boldness, boldness. <laughs> and um, I just think that's what we need to pray for. You know, say to the Holy Spirit, come, come and fill me and give me your boldness and confidence. Because I think when the Holy Spirit fills you, you do become confident because you become convinced about the reality of these things and then you're ready to share them. So... Moving on, the next thing I think that can be a problem, um, a next barrier, is disappointment. Disappointment and asking why. And I think this can be a big one for all of us. Um, I remember years and years ago, there was a man called Don Double, who was an evangelist, a healing evangelist, and he did a crusade um, in my old church. And he had a word of knowledge for people who hadn't got a sense of smell. Um, that God wanted to heal them, and I haven't got a sense of smell. Now, if I had time, I'd answer all the questions that people generally ask me. Shall I quickly answer them so you don't have to worry? (laughs) Right, okay, quickly. No, I've never had a sense of smell. Um, No, I can't smell good things or bad things. Um, I don't know how it happened, but my grandfather couldn't, so I think it's genetic. No, I've never had it looked at. And no, it doesn't affect my sense of taste. (laughs) I think that's answered all the questions that everybody always asks, so you don't have to sort of worry about that. But um, I went forward for prayer because I thought, well, gosh, that would be wonderful. I love gardening. I'd love to be able to smell flowers and and food as well. And I I was prayed for, and then obviously people prayed and sprayed perfume up and down my arms. I, I must have stunk, but I couldn't smell anything. And I remember being so disappointed. And I didn't speak to God for a week because I was so miffed. Because I felt, you know, disappointed with him. And um, I I just think in different ways, we often can go through that in our lives where we say to God, why why did you let that happen? Or or, what kind of God are you? And, you know, when Martha, when Lazarus, her brother died, she said to God, Jesus, don't you care? And um, when the the disciples were in the storm and they thought they were going to sink, they said, Master, don't you care? And I think we can often ask God that question. Um, And the answer is that we don't always know why God does things as he does. But um, I've been reading a book by Wendy Mann, and I'd really recommend this book, called Living Life Supernaturally. Um, And she talks about disappointment that hasn't been worked through properly. And so she thinks it's one of the biggest things for UK Christians um, that, we, that we need to learn how to work through disappointment properly. Um, and she says one of the things that's really important to do is spend time in God's presence. And she said, be absolutely honest with him about how you feel without accusing him. And that can be difficult. But to just be, because God will want to comfort you. And how can he comfort you if you're not being real with him? So it's about being really honest with God about how you feel and saying if you feel alone, disappointed, let down. But she said also it's important that we declare the truth aloud about who he is. So although we might feel disappointed, we we can say, Lord, we know you're good. We know you're faithful. We know that you're righteous in all your ways. 
And then she said the third thing she has found is about laying down your right to understand. And again, I think that's really difficult sometimes, but it's about choosing to trust despite the things that don't make sense in your life. And I'm sure that's something that Catherine had to, 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 to deal with <laughs> and, and all of us have to deal with at some level. Uh, because she said, if you don't do that, what happens is you harden your heart and then it cuts you off from God's kingdom throw, flowing through you. So think of it a bit like cholesterol. You know, the build-up of cholesterol in your arteries stops the blood from flowing. That, that's, that's what happens. So she says, um, no, it was Mike Bickle who said this, you learn to be at peace with God because of your relationship with him rather than because he has answered all of your questions. We will ask why God questions until the end of our lives. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to perform his work in our lives, the questions will be accompanied by a growing peace and trust, rather than disillusionment and unbelief. God wants our peace to come from our relationship with him not because he's answered all our questions about our circumstances. So that's the negatives in a way, but the positives is how can we put ourselves in God's miracle working realm? And I think one thing that's really important is expectation. Just having the expectation that God (laughs) wants to use you and wants to use you now. Um, I I find it interesting in the story that I I referred to earlier about Martha um, after her she met Jesus after her brother had died and Jesus said your brother will rise again and Martha said I know he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day and I thought Martha's so typical of many of us isn't it we always think God's going to do something great on the last day that after we're dead, it's all going to be wonderful and um, that heaven will somehow touch earth, but it's at the horizon where it's a long way away, but where we're standing, heaven seems very high. You know how the sky hits the earth. Um, but, you know, it's about expecting God wants to do something now in our lives. And he's good, and he's good to me, and he's interested in all our lives, not just when we're at meetings. And then... The next thing, really, is listening for God and stepping out in obedience. Every time God speaks to you, it always requires faith to act on what God says. And again, there's some, you know, somebody at the church was telling me about how she went shopping to Sainsbury's and God said to her, take some extra money with you. And um, she did, and she looked around for somebody to give it to. Unfortunately, I wasn't there. <laughs> um, so she, didn't, she went home with it. But the next day, she went again. And I thought, that shows faith. I heard from you, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow this through. And she did give it to a lady who had been praying to God to show how much he cared. Wow. You know, it's that step of faith um, and acting in faith. Second, the third one, I think, is just celebrating whatever God's doing in your life. To him that has, more will be given. So just approach God with thankfulness and praise and just recognize what he's already doing keep a record of what he does for you like I've done with those words that were given to me because otherwise you forget so quickly what God does don't downplay what he does celebrate it and and rejoice in it and then the last thing and I'm just going to quote from Fran here I just love Fran and the lovely pictures that she gets from God amazing pictures and I've very asked her if she'd very kindly let me mention this one because I think this this next one 
uh, we're, we're moving on to letting go of our backup plan and relying on God's resources. And um, Fran was sharing with me a picture. I don't think you've shared it generally. So can I do it on your behalf? Okay. This is a picture she shared with me a few weeks back, but it's really stayed in my mind. She had a picture God had given her of the sea and people bathing in it. And they were in the sea, but still breathing their own air. So it was like Christians, and they were in the sea of God's blessing and love and, and goodness. And they were bathing, swimming in the sea, but still breathing their own air. But others were scuba diving, going under the water with oxygen in their tanks. And you say, oh, they're the real, you know, real going Christians then. But she said, ah. But when their supply ran out, they had the choice either to go deeper still or return to the surface for air. And she said, I feel God is saying each day and many times during the day, we have a choice to rely on our own resources and stay within our comfort zone or to go deeper still in God and breathe his air. And it happens when you come to the end of yourself and rely on God's resources. And I just sort of feel this is so significant part of the miracles. If you think about the miracles in the Bible... They all came at a point where people had got to the end of their own resources, didn't they? You know, the feeding, the 5,000, walking on the water, turning water into wine. It happened at a point where people weren't able to do anything for themselves. And I just think we get so good at sort of trusting in God, but actually we've got our own backup plan. (laughs) And it's really hard for us to sort of put all our trust in God But I know that there are issues in people's lives at the moment where you're having to do that. And it's really hard where you're saying, Lord, I haven't got a backup plan. I'm completely trusting in you. But that is where you're likely to see God breaking through in the miraculous in your life. Just going to talk one more thing, really. And that is about the greatest miracle of all. And I don't think I can finish without saying this. For anybody here this morning who doesn't know the Lord Jesus... He's so wonderful. For anyone who doesn't know the Lord Jesus, the greatest miracle of all is to receive God's forgiveness. And there's a story in the Bible where um, one day people lowered a man who was paralysed through the roof to Jesus for him to heal. And Jesus looked at that man and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And then he also healed him. He said, Get up and walk. But I just want to tell you, Jesus has the power to work miracles. Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. And unquestionably, forgiveness is more important than healing. Because that man got healed for his lifetime only. But when you get forgiven, you get forgiven for eternity. It lasts forever. And even if you never experience, and I'm sure we will, but even if you never experience any of the other miracles I've talked about, we all need the miracle of forgiveness. And without that, none of us is fit for heaven. And I just want to say this morning, the good news is that Jesus came to forgive us. We don't have to earn it, we just have to receive it. And when he died on the cross, Jesus offered a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And all we have to do, if you haven't done it this morning, all you have to do is come to him, acknowledge your shortcomings, ask him to forgive you, and then a great miracle will take place. He will come into your life. You will have peace with God. His Holy Spirit will come to live within you 
and will make you a new person and will provide you with everything you need to get to know him better. And of all the miracles, that is the greatest. So what I'm going to do now is ask everybody to stand to their feet. And perhaps if the worship team can come back. <laughs> just want to ask people to just close their eyes and hold their hands out to God. And just come to God as you are this morning. And, and just, I just want us to have a, a couple of minutes of quiet just to talk to him. And you, you may come to God and say, I, I don't know about that great miracle of being right with you, and that's what I want. Tell him. Or you might say, Lord, I do want to know you, but I have been discouraged because of past disappointments. And talk to him about how you feel. Or you may come to him this morning and say, Lord, I want you, but I, I'm, I, I'm afraid of letting go of that backup plan, that just-in-case contingency plan. I find it really hard to rely totally on you. I need your boldness. I need to be convinced of your love. And just, just tell him, because do you know something? He loves you so much. God loves you so much. You can tell him anything, and he knows it anyway. So let's just have a few minutes to do that and then we'll sing a final song.